Well, happy Easter. Now, you need to know, I don't like bad news. My morning routine, when our church secretary, Carol, is here first, is to walk into the building and greet her, good morning, Carol, and then ask any news. But before she can reply, I'll say, but I only want good news. Now, there are times that bad news cannot be avoided, but I do have an aversion to bad news. I really, really, really don't like bad news. Uh, This past decade, our family has been walloped by bad news reports. Years ago, I remember my mom calling. She said, John, I hope you're sitting down, and I don't know how to put this, but Brian was killed today. We were getting ready to go to my sister and her husband Brian's cottage. The news was devastating. It was overwhelming. It still staggers me today. A few years later, uh, a couple, a very dear couple to us in Toronto, uh, they phoned about their son, Nathan. Uh, Nathan was killed in an accident. And I still remember Barb hysterically sharing that news with us. It was agonizing. It still hurts to this day. And then, um, as some of you know, we lost all our parents in a very short period of time. We were up at the nursing home when Heather's mom passed away at about one in the morning. We got home exhausted, turned on off the phone. When we turned it on at eight o'clock, there was a phone call coming in from my brother Brent. I said, Brent, thank you for calling. I I said, how did you know about uh, Heather's mom? He said, what about Heather's mom? And I said, well, she died a few hours ago. And Brent said, well, I've got news for you. Our dad died at 4 o'clock this morning, just three hours later. Can you uh, imagine getting that kind of news in that kind of way. All this bad news creating a feeling of being very overwhelmed. As I said, I really don't like bad news. Well, it's Easter 2020, and it's a different kind of Easter. There's no Easter bonnets. I doubt many of you have gone out and bought a new dress. The big Byron Easter egg hunt has been canceled. The Easter bunny remains in hiding. Maybe he's still hibernating because of this awful weather we've experienced. But it's COVID-19 that's changed everything. I mean, masks are intended for Halloween, not for Easter. We're inundated with concerns with bad news. There are staggering uncertainties that cause 
crippling fear and anxiety. People are asking, will I lose my job? Will we lose our life savings? Will we lose our house? Will you or your loved ones lose their life? I have a recent routine, and that is to drive over at about lunch to the metro parking lot. Now, I don't go into the store, but I just drive around looking at people, wearing their masks, lining up to go into the grocery store, even people lining up to go into the liquor store. And we all know that in a pandemic, uh, liquor is essential. In fact, the other day I wanted to get out of my car and go up and start singing the Larry Norman song. Sipping whiskey from a paper cup. You drown your sorrows till you can't stand up. Why don't you look into Jesus? He's got the answer. Well, I didn't do it. I thought it would be too judgmental, and you'll agree with me, quite weird. But as I've looked at the faces of people lined up at the grocery store and at the liquor store, even with their masks, you can see that people look sad. I give credit, some are trying to be friendly, but there's looks of distress, confusion, and above all, uncertainty. This Easter, like never before in my lifetime, there are people out there, and you and me, and we're looking for, we're longing for, we're salivating for hope. We are desperate, so desperate for really, really good news. And here's the question. Can we overcome the fear and anxiety that's caused by uncertainty, especially regarding the future? Is that possible? Is it possible for us to overcome this fear and anxiety triggered by uncertainty, especially as we think of the future? And this is why we need the life-changing message of that first Easter, where we discover the way to overcome this fear and anxiety caused by uncertainty. For what happened at that dark and distressing time is the secret to overcoming our hopelessness during these challenging times. So get ready. Are you ready? Sit up on the edge of your seat. For I want you to be ready to hear some really, really, really good news. I want to thank Patrick for reading Matthew chapter 28. And uh, just to give a bit of a setting to that account of Scripture We know that on Friday, Jesus died. Uh, We're told that two women were there for the burial. As the uh, Joseph and others were burying Jesus, there were two followers of Jesus. 
that were there, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Can you imagine? She's called the other Mary. Uh, for those of us with a common name, it's like somebody saying, oh, he's the other John. Uh, it does great wonders for one's self-esteem. Uh, where were the other disciples? The guys? Well, they were hiding. Uh, they were scared silly. They were confused. They were filled with fear and anxiety. Now, on the Saturday, the chief priests arranged to uh, have the stone outside of the tomb sealed with the official Roman seal and guarded by many Roman soldiers. They remembered that Jesus predicted that he would be raised from the dead. Uh, they didn't believe that, but they feared that the disciples would come, steal the body, and fabricate a resurrection story. The religious establishment were scared silly uh, about the resurrection or any matters uh, dealing with it. But for the disciples of Jesus, it sometimes gets called Silent Saturday. We really don't know what was going on, but I would speculate there was a lot of distress, sadness, sharing uh, confusion. They were filled with fear and anxiety, and there was this cloud of uncertainty all around them. So let's fast forward to Easter Sunday. In uh, Josh's children's story, he has given us this wonderful anticipation for what we're going to discover in this part of the story. It's at dawn, so it's very, very early in the morning. And these two women again, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, go to look at the tomb. Uh, we're told in other gospel accounts that they went to see if it was possible they could anoint the body of Jesus. Uh, maybe they were going to lay down some flowers. It would be a pretty common vigil that they were going to hold for Jesus, honoring the dead. They came looking for a dead Jesus. I can imagine the two women saying to each other, well, at least we hope his teachings will live on. We hope that what he stood for might live on. Maybe how nice he was will live on among some of his followers. They had very minimal hopes, but then it happened. A loud earthquake. Just imagine uh, an earthquake at that moment. And then they saw an angel he looked like lightning. Did you see the lightning the other night? Wow. And the snow, well, for me, snow at any time is scary. And uh, they're seeing this angel sitting on the stone, but around him are guards. Now, we know that these guards had fainted out of fear when they saw the angel removing this giant stone on his own, and when they saw his appearance as he sat on the stone, they fainted out of fear. But when Mary and 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary arrived, it, it looked like they were dead. How ironic. They went looking for dead Jesus and ended up seeing guards, Roman guards, who looked like they were dead. Can you imagine the women? This is bad news as they go that Easter morning, and now more bad news, an earthquake. Uh, this uh, angel, this strange-looking angel sitting there, guards laying out like they're dead. Had they entered into a battle? What was going to happen next? They're filled with dread and uncertainty. For the... These two women, it was a really scary moment. Uh, most of us can think of a scary moment in our lifetime. I, I remember it was in April, years ago. I would have been about 19. And if you can believe it, I was in my car north of Toronto on a remote road, and there was a sudden snowstorm. Can you imagine snow in April? Uh, yeah, it can happen. And uh, as I'm driving down this road, I hit a patch of black ice. And the, the car skidded, and I ended up on the edge of the road, teetering over a fall. There was this deep gully. If the car went over, the car was going down about 50 feet. I was petrified. The car was only suspended by the front passenger wheel and the rear passenger side wheel. The rest of the car was I was sitting up like this, afraid to move or even to breathe. The miracle of the story is that a tow truck, truck driver happened to be driving down the road at just the right time. He stopped and he came over to me and I could hear him crying out, I've got some bad news for you. I'm going, oh great, I'm already experiencing bad news. He said, I fear that if you move, this car is going to topple over and it could happen at any moment. I was even scared more than I had been. And then he said, and, and I've got more bad news. He said, uh, I'm really not that experienced with this kind of towing job. I thought, oh, great. Thank you, Lord, for bringing along a tow truck driver, but he's an inexperienced tow truck driver. I mean, when you're sitting over the edge of the road about to fall, you don't want a tow truck driver who's going to say, oops, I kind of missed out there. The good news is that he uh, put the chains on, give, uh, gave the car a yank, and, and I was rescued. Uh, it should have been a two or $300 job. I said to the guy, I only have $20 in my pocket. He said, listen, I'll take it. And he said, uh, just be careful in the future. Oh, when I think back to scary moments, that's one of my scary moments. I would guess that you have a scary or two moment in your lifetime. And of course, we think of 
what it's like now. Uh, For some of us now, there are scary moments. You're worried about your job. You're worried about your finances. You have concerns about your health. There's this cloud of an uncertain future. We can identify with these two women who were afraid. That's why the angel said, do not be afraid. He said this because the women were filled with fear and anxiety. But the angel goes on and he gives them a reason not to be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He doesn't refute the fact that Jesus had died. He didn't say, oh, don't worry, Jesus had only fainted on the cross, he just walked out of here. No, he had died, but the angel did have an Easter hunt surprise. They went looking for a dead Jesus, but the angel said, he's not here, he has risen. And here's the secret. The key to overcoming fear and anxiety caused by certainty is found here. Here's my big idea this Easter 2020. Overcoming fear and anxiety caused by uncertainty is found in the certainty of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get that? The secret to overcoming fear and anxiety caused by uncertainty is found in the resurrection and the certainty of it, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We are able to trade feelings of fear and anxiety for the facts of the resurrection that give us hope, certainty, and joy. It's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, if you've placed your faith in a dead Savior, you're to be pitied. If you've put your hope in Jesus crucified, and no more than that, uh, you're, uh, you're pathetic. But Paul declares, Jesus Christ has been risen indeed. And he is the first fruits. Because Jesus conquered death, we have the assurance that because we've identified with him, we conquer eternal death. It's why earlier, Jesus said to his disciples, and John records this, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even if he dies, yet shall he live. What an incredible statement. Of course, we enjoyed the words of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's about this time I think of the words of that great chorus, because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future, and life is worth the living, just because he lives. Later in the song, it says we can face uncertain days because he lives. But is all this true? Is this just a pastor's wishful, wishful thinking? Note in the text, and I'm hoping you're following along in Matthew 28, the angel said, He is risen just as he said. Now there's three times in the Gospel of Matthew we have a record of Jesus predicting that he would be raised from the dead. Matthew 16, verse 21. Matthew 17, verse 22. And then Matthew 20, verse 19. And let's extend then our secret. For if the key to overcoming fear and anxiety caused by uncertainty is found in the resurrection and the certainty of it, we add to that the truthfulness of our Lord's promises. He has risen, and this is great news for you, but even more, it is just as he said. Jesus' promises are always true. And in a pandemic, we need to cling to those promises. I will never leave you or forsake you. All things work for the good. In Jeremiah 29, the Lord says, I have a hope and future for you. Jesus promises, I go and prepare a place for you. Hey, when you're knocked down by fear and anxiety, you need to stand firm on the promises of our triune God. Having established the fact that Jesus has raised, just as he said, the angel doesn't stop there. He says to Mary and uh, the other Mary, he says, come and see. You need to check this out. It's not the angel saying, take my word for it. Uh, it's not the women saying, oh, we'll just kind of take this leap of faith. The angel says, check out the empty tomb. And it's what you and I have been called to do, and followers of Christ and seekers have been called to do over the centuries. Come and see. Check it out. The great writer G.K. Chesterton said, My concern is not that people have examined the resurrection and found the evidence wanting or lacking. It's that people have never checked it out. People have never looked into it. They, they come to conclusions about it. 
about the way they're going to live life in light of it, but they never have truly checked it out. I have a passion for apologetics. I know there's that great song, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. That's true, but all kinds of other religious movements can make that kind of faith claim, some kind of inner spiritual experience. We know he lives because we can check it out. There is overwhelming evidence that there was an empty tomb, that Jesus in resurrection form appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people. This Easter, we need to demythologize the resurrection. Now let me explain that. There are many who have mythologized the resurrection. It's the person who says, oh, I believe in the resurrection. Or churches where they preach the resurrection. But it's not the real historical bodily resurrection of Jesus. It's this notion that the ideas or the teachings of Jesus live on. So by demythologizing uh, the resurrection, what we're doing is we're taking away the myth. We're saying it is a true fact. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Come and see. Check it out. Oh, there were the guards and their conspiracy theory. Uh, They were in uh, tandem with the chief priests and other authorities. And, And what is sad is that the guards and others knew that no one had stolen the body of Jesus. And we see this time after time where people would rather believe the lie than the truth about the resurrection. The other day I was talking to someone who uh, was listening to a former pastor who's now an atheist, and he was trying to debunk the Christian faith. He presented a lot of ideas. These were old ideas that have been proven false, but the person I talked to fell into it hook, line, and sinker. Many years ago, you remember the the book, The Da Vinci Code, and and people flocked to it and were interested in it, how it was debunking Christianity. Let me just say, frankly, the historicity of this book, The Da Vinci Code, is awful. It it, it is just uh, way out there uh, and very inaccurate. But it's so true that, like the guards, many people will choose to believe the lie than the truth. What intrigues me is there's more. Come and see, they took a look into the empty tomb, and then the angel said, and go and tell. Maybe he was trying to encourage the women to be bold. After all, they were women. Their testimony or their witness wouldn't have been given a lot of credibility back then. But I have another theory. The angel says, go quickly and tell the disciples. The target of their reporting of their message is the disciples. Remember I suggested these disciples were hiding. They were scared, silly, filled with fear and anxiety because of uncertainty. 
So the women are to tell the disciples, he has risen. That great message of hope. But there's another phrase attached to it. He has risen and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. That idea of going ahead, I call this the going ahead principle. We see it in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 with Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel. They were being really challenged by a powerful enemy. They were the underdogs. But God says, you're to move forward. You're to go, but it's my battle, not yours. Just trust me. Move forward. Go ahead. What we discover is that this powerful enemy ended up fighting another group and the whole of the enemies were destroyed. By the time Jehoshaphat and the Israelites got there, they discovered that God had gone ahead of them and he had done their fighting. I don't know what's ahead for us with COVID-19, but I rely on the fact that Jesus always goes ahead of us. He is the one we can count on and put our confidence in. Why Galilee? Jesus did appear in Jerusalem. I think it's significant for Jesus to have this special meeting with the disciples in Galilee because that's where they were from. On Saturday and Sunday, they were packing their bags, getting ready to go back to Galilee. Uh, they didn't know what kind of reception they were going to get. They, were, they, they felt this Christian movement had failed. They were going to back, go back into their fishing jobs and other occupations. Um, but but the, the, the pressure of, oh, people, our family and friends are going to see us and go, what a bunch of losers. You ended up following a dead Messiah. How crucial for Jesus to meet them in Galilee. And little Galilee that Jesus called the Galilee of the Gentiles. It was there, as we discover later in Matthew 28, that Jesus gives the Great Commission. And rather than the Christian movement being destroyed, it is from Galilee that it will go from Galilee and beyond. It's going to explode and it's the Christian movement that we are a part of in 2020. Jesus said, uh, I will go ahead into Galilee. There is a bonus as we bring things to a close. Don't forget the big idea. We can overcome the fear and anxiety caused by uncertainty because we find the answer in the certainty of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And to that, we hold to the truthfulness of any of Jesus' promises. It's that that motivates us to check it out, to come and see, and to, and to go and tell uh, disciples then, but today there are people in your life, in your sphere of influence, that need the hope and encouragement Assurance, assurance and the encouragement that comes through the message of Easter. But now we see this final moment. The women are running. I 
love that picture of the women running back to the disciples. And very carefully, Matthew writes, suddenly Jesus met them. Notice how it goes. It's not the women say, well, let's, let's see if we can find you. No, Jesus met them. Jesus takes the initiative. And when he gave them the greeting, the women fell to the ground, grasping onto his feet, and were told that they worshipped Jesus. I love the idea of worship. The whole notion of worship carries with it the idea of putting weight on something, the weight of your hopes and your dreams and your confidence. The problem with idol worship, idols can't hold that kind of weight, but we think of the weight of his glory, the weight of his splendor. The women worshiped him, and here's the bonus lesson. The object of their worship was greater than the object of their fear and anxiety. Did you get that? The object of their worship was far superior to the object of their fear and anxiety. I say this carefully, but with great conviction. Jesus is greater than COVID-19. Up close and personal, then, Jesus repeats, do not be afraid. Was this necessary? The angel had already given that command. Oh, we need to hear those words over and over and over again, especially in difficult times. Do not be afraid. It's the big idea in our message today. It's the focus of this sermon, the focus of our scripture passage, but it's when Jesus himself whispers into your ear, your ears of faith. Don't be afraid. Hang in there. I've got this. You can count on me. You can trust in me. Think to the resurrection. Think to what I promised then. My promises still remain true. There's the guards who chose to be involved in a conspiracy theory with the religious establishment. The sad thing is even today there's people who have checked it out, who believe that there was a resurrection, but still refuse to believe. I call that a special fear at Easter. The fear of the risen Lord what he might mean and what he might change in your life. But I can assure you that he will give you hope, confidence, and peace, especially in times like these. My hope is that if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you will do that today. I always close Easter sermons with a favorite story. I won't disappoint you today. It'll be a bit different, but see if you can help me out. It's communist Russia. Atheism is rampant. And in a big hall, there is a speaker who is debunking Christianity. He's tearing it apart. 
He's going on and on about the silliness of the Christian faith. When all of a sudden at the back of the auditorium, an old Russian Orthodox priest gets to his feet. And he just says, he is risen. The speaker says, sit down, old man. But he stays on his feet. He cries out a little louder. He is risen. And with that, people around the auditorium started standing to their feet. And when he said again, only louder, he is risen, that whole auditorium cried out, he is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. And that poor speaker had to stop his talk. He was... uh, Taken out, he was dismissed by that reality that was being declared that day. So as I close with these words, as you're sitting around your computer, sitting in the living room with your family, when I say he is risen, will you repeat, he is risen indeed. Cried out loud enough that neighbors walking by are going to go, what's going on in that house? maybe, just maybe, I'll be able to hear you as well. He is risen. That was good. We can do better. He is risen. One last time. He is risen. Joining with you. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.